to all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders. Welcome to Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, episode 71, man. We're back in the building each and every Saturday on YouTube and, and uh, at Twitch, but we are definitely doing a special night tonight. It's 8 o'clock on a Sunday, and we are live and direct to bring you the coup de gras. <laughs> this is the end of our ongoing coverage of our divisional breakdowns, and we have saved the best for last, ladies and gentlemen, the best for last. We are breaking down the AFC West today. And I have, as my usual counterpart, Coach Kurt, with me to my diagonal. I want to say right, if I'm looking at this leg. I don't know. One of those. This, this, that way. Yeah, him. He, that, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I had two special guests with me, uh, two uh, compadres of mine that I have been uh, had the luxury of doing podcasts with in the past and in, in the present. Uh, to my direct uh, below me is Richie Richie of in my MHRT Network, Broncos Country, in the building. How you doing, Rich? Not bad. How you guys doing? Good, good, good. And to my diagonal, another way. There we go. There we go. We got, <laughs> we got Jacob, aka Baby Andy Reed, in the building from Arrowhead Addicts. <laughs> well, it's What's more like on, Diet man? Andy Reed. He's just yes. swimmer in the face. Yeah. He's got yeah. the same mustache going. Yeah. So I think it's that's that's a little bit more apt and appropriate. There you go. Yeah, I I have a sugar-free chocolate cake instead of hey. normal chocolate. Ah, cake, right? That's that's yeah. a secret, man. There yeah. you go. So we got we got we got Coke Zero Andy Reid versus hey. yeah. <laughs> Coke Zero Andy Reid. And last but not least, as always, Coach Curry, how you feeling today, good brother? Oh man, I feel excited. I feel great to be on with these legends and and their rightful their rightful place. So this is. I feel like this is what Ric Flair must have felt like with the four horsemen. So I like know, it. I we just like spilt more money. We just spilt more money <laughs> on liquor and women than most spent all year. Yeah, I know this, right? spilt I know. More money on spilt liquor. Spilt yes. liquor. Spilt liquor. Yes, indeed. So, like I said, special day, special uh, sports talk. We normally broadcast on Saturdays at 9 p.m., but we are here this this week for a live and direct on Sunday, 8 p.m. Appreciate everybody's viewership. So, uh, to you subscribing, the new subscribers we have out there, appreciate your viewership as well. And we're going to dive right into it, man. This is the Mofo Dojo. This is the Brawl for it all. <laughs> all right. The Mofo Dojo. I like that. I like Mofo that. Dojo. Trademark Mofo. that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I feel like I need to go change into a karate gear and some Converse. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some Cobra Kai above on CD. Yeah. 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 There yeah. you go. There you go. So, yeah. There's yes. a new printed T-shirt uh, into a store coming near you. Yeah, there it is. is. <laughs> there it is. So uh, we're gonna jump right into it. We're gonna jump right into it. So this is our NFL segment. We're gonna do NFL this week. So we got special guests in the in the building this week. We're gonna do our divisional breakdown of the AFC West, man. We're gonna get into the uh, rosters, uh, how they did it for agency, what they did in the draft, um, any coaching changes that have gone on, and uh, how we gonna we, we fill up our over and under wins uh, in the, in each uh, individual's uh, predictions on over and under wins for each team. Uh, as you know, I'm an avid Chargers fan, if you can't tell at all, right? If you've been hiding under rock or, or watching me for your very first time, you know I'm a Chargers fan. Die hard, you know, go Bolts. You know, it's both family and it's both gang or don't bang. Both gang or don't bang. We already know what it is. I always know what it is. But um, like I said, I have Michael Partridge from the Chiefs and uh, Jacob from Arrowhead Attic and, uh, and Rich from the Broncos. So we have uh, a deep-rooted and, uh, and vast knowledge of the division as we've been fans for quite some time. So we're going to get each everybody's takes on what we feel about a division and how we feel about what, what the team is looking like going in towards the season, what we like and what we don't like about the roster. 
And uh, as always, like I said, we're going to predict what we feel like they're going to do in the far as season record, you know, whether you feel like they're going to be over or under the wins that Vegas had. So let's jump right into it. Let's talk about the first team that nobody is representing at the moment. We'll get into the Raiders first. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that? Raiders, who, who made some some drastic changes in, in their roster. Um, they had they made some some savvy free agency moves as well as um some some decent draft moves. They didn't have a whole lot of draft capital after they made their one big move. Um, they got Devontae Adams in free agency uh, through trade, or actually you can say via trade. Um, and they got him for uh, a nice little uh, haul they had to send over to Green Bay to get him over to the Raiders. Um, they also traded Yannick Ngakwe away to get Rocky Asin. Uh They got Anthony Averett from the Ravens in free agency. Uh, they got Jayon Brown from the Titans in free agency. Um, and with the with the coaching change of Josh McDaniel coming in as the Raiders, that he actually poached uh, Deron Harmon from uh, from the pa- Patriots, and they uh, slid uh, Jacob Hollister in, in the door from the Seattle Seahawks, and at, at the very end of it to uh, round up their tight end room. So, I guess we go uh, we go from uh, top I guess from bottom to top, and then we'll give everybody's opinions on what they did in free agency. Uh, starting well off with Rich, how do you feel like the Raiders improved themselves in free agency? What you liked and what you didn't like. And um, and what do you think they still may have need for, um, and uh, when they got through a free agency in the, in the interim, I think they made some good efforts uh, overall. Uh, if if you're gonna try to be objective and and yet critical at the same time, I think they they well, you're also missing um, Chandler Jones. If I'm you're right, reading right. if I'm reading right. the graphic right, yeah, and my memory serves correctly, you're you're missing. Kind of one of the big moves that kind of each one of the AFC West teams generally brought in, with the exception of, of the Chiefs, um, you know, who, who decided to realize that pass rush is important, and the Chiefs just kind of missed that particular memo. Um, but aside from aside from that, it looks like every other team in the AFC West, uh, Chargers, Broncos, and uh, Raiders, both made a, a true effort to try to bolster that that edge rush and pass rush position, um, which is kind of strange really for the, from the Broncos perspective, but we're talking about the Raiders here. And I think they really needed it as a team to bring in that other side to complement. Uh, I mean, they have an absolute beast in the middle there and, and he is deserving of all the credit in the world um, in terms of their, uh, their interior kind of edge slash interior line there with uh, Max Crosby. But I, I really think that they under, they under, kind of under bolstered if you will or didn't really bolster enough their secondary i think they could have used a little bit more in the safety position a little bit more in the cornerback position and then the other position that they they addressed but not fully was that nose tackle d tackle position depending on which direction they're truly going to aim for um they lost oh i can't i gapping on the guy's name now he was so good for them last year Oh, um, Darius Phylon. Phylon, yeah. Um, yeah. He was probably one of the MB- MVPs on their defense, uh, if you're going to be, you know, true and honest about it. And he played an incredible uh, season for them. He got hurt, and they really didn't do enough, in my opinion, to backfill him. Okay. Hurt, what you got? Oh, man, listen, let me tell you, I'm really excited. Um, you know, unlike what happened with L.A. and Russell, I think this um, this partnership is going to be outstanding, right? I really believe the partnership between Derek Carr 
and Devontae Adams is going to be electric. I know some people have felt certain ways and, you know, oh, Devontae leaving Aaron Rodgers, certain things are not going to happen. Listen, I think um, we're about to see some explosion uh, happen with the Raiders between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. You're talking about arguably the number one wide receiver in the NFL, right? And he's not going to suddenly forget how to run routes. He's not suddenly going to forget how to play the receiver position. And whether you like it or not, Derek Carr has been, I would say, a very, very, very comparable quarterback, right? I mean, he was on the verge of having MVP type uh, uh, MVP type season until a leg injury. He couldn't control that, right? And if you look at what he's had to throw to since that injury, it's been mediocre, right? It's been patchwork. Now you put him with one of the top tight ends, um, and that's dangerous, right? Because if you look at what he had in Green Bay, everybody knew who Devontae Adams was. Everybody knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to throw to him, and they still couldn't stop him. Right. They didn't have nearly the caliber of tight end um, at Green Bay. They didn't have nearly the caliber of number two receiver. Now you pair Waller and you pair very sneaky, which with the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders and the Patriots, that slot type receiver, um, that receiver that's able to really work the underneath stuff in a Julian Edelman role. Uh, was very fruitful, right? So now you pair Derek Carr, um, Devontae Adams, who have a type of relationship that you just know, I think, in my personal opinion, is going to work, right? Um, you pair that with having a tight end, a slot receiver now, uh, and then you the add you're referring to is Renfro, correct? Yeah, Renfro, yeah. Okay. yeah. And you look at what Renfro did, right, on that receiver core. Now you pair him with a receiver like Devontae Adams and you pair a receiver who's happy. He's in a place that he wants to be. He's playing with a quarterback who's not mercurial, who's not up and down, you know, who's not I'm here, but I'm not here. And I said this before, um, when I go back and look at some games, there were throws that I saw Aaron Rodgers make that suddenly he couldn't make anymore, especially in the playoffs. Now to me, that was telling, right? All of a sudden now he can't make the back shoulder throws that he made all season long, all year long, and all of a sudden he can't make those. So he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have that emotional roller coaster. Um, Derek Carr did an amazing job of, as me and Coach said, at first we was like, is he really that nice of a guy? But he is, right? He really cares for his teammates. He really cares for the people in the organization. And he's very emotionally intelligent and he's calming. And Aaron, and Devontae hasn't had that. And if you look at what they did in college, now coming to play together professionally and somebody, two people who have kept a relationship every year together, listen, it's going to be amazing. Defensively, I think they've gotten a lot better. I think that Rocky, that Rocky Asin, uh pick up is key uh, defensively, right? The the defensive end pickups. Um, I think the Raiders are going to be something co to contend with. Okay. Jacob, what you, you got? Did you raise your hand, Rich? Did you have something? No, you were just making comments about the offseason work. 
Yeah. And uh, Derek Carr and it, it's been documented where one or both have at least come out and said something about the fact that they both worked together for the past five off seasons. Five. So uh, yeah, five. So I, that was me just saying five off seasons to you. Yeah. Um, because they both came out and specifically, you know, called out the fact that people were saying, well, what have you done since college? And he's like, I've, he's thrown me the ball for the last five off seasons for our little like ad hoc mini camps that we've done together. So, what, you know, basically saying what's your like, and then what? So mm-hmm. I, I was, I was more trying to bolster what you were saying yeah. by agreeing with you by saying, you know, they haven't lost a step because they've worked together pretty much since he's been in the league every off season. And listen, they are that to, close to they back that, that up to back that up. Think of how telling that is. He didn't go to his quarterback. He went to his college quarterback and threw in the offseason. That yeah. tells me a lot when you look at teammates that he doesn't go, nor does his starting quarterback invite get together. But he goes back out to, 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 to Cali. They get, you know, they text each other. They link up with each other. That's why Devontae could come in the season look like he never missed a beat. And you never saw it out on social media. You never heard about it. They just went and did the work. And Devontae never missed one step. And when you look at Derek Carr, I know he's not Aaron Rodgers, but tell me one throw he can't make. Tell Tell me one pass that he can't throw to Devontae that Aaron Rodgers did, right? Deep back shoulder fade, uh, the deep rainbow over the top middle off of a back foot, uh, on the run, on the run off of the back foot when he's being chased. Now, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like you asked the question. Yeah. Don't ask the question. I think Derek Carr can make every one of those throws. I think Derek Carr can make every one of those throws. Derek Carr's okay. right arm to me is just as live as Aaron Rodgers. Just oh, as live. Really live. I think the only thing he's missing is the mobility. I think, I think Derek is more of an on platform thrower versus an on the run thrower like Aaron can be. So I think as long as he's comfortable and he's on platform and he's got his two feet in the ground from the pocket, oh, he can make any throw you can make. You yeah. want him to make. So I, I definitely yeah. agree with that part. I guess I share both sentiments. Like, yeah, Aaron can do better on the run, but that's just because Derek's not as mobile. Like, yeah. if he had the same athleticism that uh, that uh, that Aaron had, then he probably would be able to do the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm look. I'm looking forward to the Raiders. It's a tough division uh, when you look at who's in the division, but I'm looking forward to what the Raiders. <laughs> Uh, oh wow! Oh wow! Amelia wow. Earhart offense. Wow! Whoa! Okay. Oh, yeah. back over to you. I have nothing for that one. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. This is so bad for the Wild Wild West bottle okay, I know. I know. I know. This can get us taken off air if we go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> my my boy Alex coming through. I guess. Yes, indeed. But look, I. For for the first time in in a while, Derek Carr truly has a dominant wide receiver one target. Um, he's he's really made you know this patchwork core that he's had in the past. He's made do with it. I think that the Raiders fall squarely on his shoulders. Their success is going to go as far as Derek Carr can go. Is he going to get past this? He's well. He's a little bit better than average quarterback label. Is he going to take that next step forward? And I know he's a little late in his career to be taking next steps forward. But he really has that opportunity. I'm I know I should be the last person talking about this because the Chiefs have the same issue. I'm really concerned about that right side of the offensive line. Who's a guard? Who's a tackle? We got all these jazzed up defensive fronts, except for Kansas City's, of course, coming at you. You can't have three, two, three question marks on your offensive line. You need to at least have some steady, 
some good play. So he might end up on his back all season for all we know. There is a reason why their over-under is at eight and a half, man. Good point, Jacob. Good point. I like it. Um, you know, just to, just to, uh, I guess you can say, saw up this last top part part of the Raiders uh, in, on this topic of free agency. Uh, I would say that the only thing that really, really, really glared out to me that hasn't been made a point to be made already is depth. I think their their biggest concern is that they have good front end starters, but the moment you take injury, boom, your 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 production and your depth goes. Uh, I want to say in the toilet, but it definitely takes a dip. It, it it was one of those things where you don't have a person that can come right in and fill the void, and you'll have a drop off in production. Uh, any particular aspect, especially the secondary, like where everybody underscored already. I think the secondary is an issue if you have an injury here or there. Uh, I think Trayvon Mullins is is trying to work himself back off injury. Had a surgery uh, happen later in the season. He kind of waited to do surgery, so he's going to be coming back a little bit late. But um, if they're whole and they're healthy, you talk, you tell me if you got Rocky, I've seen Anthony Averitt and Trayvon Mullins in the secondary. That's that's formidable. Yet again, you take one injury, then boom, your secondary is is is, is lacking. And I, and I can speak from experience because that's been a charter's problem for years is that we've had good front-end starters for a while. But it's just that when you take that one injury or two in the preseason or a game, so week to week, it's different. And your production is different. You can't do the same things. You can't call the same plays. You can't run the same type of uh, defense or offense that you want to run because your guys are missing. And you just can't rely on the guys that are that are backing up your starters to fill the same void, give you the same production. So that's the only glaring thing that I really see you know, outside of everything your guys underscored already, your points you hit on is that they they just didn't do the as good of, as good as other teams have done as far as is gathering depth. Um, so forwarding over to the to the draft, um, they did like I said, they did sell off their first couple of uh, draft picks to get Devontae, so they didn't pick into the third round. Uh, they did uh, manage to get uh, Dylan Parham, which is an underrated uh, interior lineman that uh, a lot of people had their eye on in the middle rounds. Uh, they got Zamir White, uh, a running back from, uh, ironically, it's, it's funny to me because they actually jumped ahead of the Chargers to get Zamir by one spot because they felt like we were going to take him. We ended up taking Isaiah Spiller. Um, they also got Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU and Matthew Butler from, uh, I want to say he's from Syracuse. Uh, his, 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 son, his school escaping me right now, but my statistician coach Curtis, uh, uh, helped me out in a second. But uh, but those two interior linemen, I think – Tennessee. I knew it was orange. I said, it's orange something. What is the orange? I, I can see orange. It wasn't, it wasn't just Rich's jersey. It was the orange. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, I think, you know, a lot of Raiders fans, including our counterpart, uh, Captain Jack, is not really high on Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler's interior lineman, but I think they hit. I really do. I think they hit their really good run-stuffing interior lineman that they can really bolster their, their uh, defense if they use them the right way. Because uh, I believe they both around about 320, 330 pound guys. So, they, you know, it's one of those things. Try to move them if you can. I don't think you can. You know, what they did in college was 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 something to behold. So, um, you know, hold, going back in, in reverse order, start with Jacob. How do you feel about the draft and with the, with the Raiders address there? Uh, look, man, I, I don't think they really address any glaring needs. Um, I think you can. I think there's a pretty good interior defensive line market as far as free agents go right now. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't focus on more of their glaring weaknesses, but I mean, they didn't have a lot of draft capital to, to start off with. So that's the asterisk mm-hmm. on the whole thing. Um, you know, if they're taking best player available, I mean, per- personally, I'd rather take best player available than try to reach on a guy, you know, around early, just because I feel like he fits a need. So if that's the approach they had, then I think they had a solid draft considering their lack of draft capital, but nothing to write home about in my opinion. Okay. Kurt, what you got? I think I think that they hit with uh, 
the positions and the rank that they had, right? I mean, you're looking at third, fourth round players. Uh, by the time they were picking, you know, um, some of the players they picked up, I think were good fits, right? We know that they didn't pick up um, um, ah, his name for his name escapes me, the running back. Josh Jacobs, they yeah. didn't pick up his fifth-year option, right? Mm-hmm. So they got him, Kenyon Drake, and now Zamir White, uh, a.k.a. Zeus from University of Georgia at running back. So that gives them running back depth, uh, definitely. Um, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler, they're not expecting any of them to come in and be some, you know, top-tier, uh, you know, gangbusters defensively. But what it does is add defensive depth. And especially being in this division, you're giving them somewhat time to come around. You put them in the rotation. You let them get some, you know, lather up, get the game under them, get some understanding about what they want to do. And it can really help because, like you said, Coach, you know, one or two positions, you start dealing with injuries. And the next thing you know, you now are going to ask these young guys to step up. So right now, when you have the ability to put them in a rotation, let them get the NFL game under them, you have some depth there. And especially being in the division, it's a passing division, and the more defensive interior linemen that you have that can continue putting pressure on these quarterbacks is going to help out. And then even picking up Dylan Parham. So, you know, uh, for picking up Devontae, they were later in the draft, but I think where they selected these players, a lot of them were uh, – you know, looking at best picks and especially getting an underrated player. I, I'm right there with you with Dylan Parham. Uh, it's going to help them out. Okay. Which what you got? I think they did really well with the uh, running back uh, who I think is going to be able to slide <laughs> at the NFL level. Um, although I am concerned with kind of touching on what I believe Jacob said earlier and the fact that neither of the AFC West teams really addressed the right side at the tackle position. And so you do start thinking that uh, a rookie running back may struggle uh, in particularly in pass pro. So for example, if you have a rookie running back in there, that's typically the one thing that they really struggle with is gauging size speed and, and also strength uh, when they're in pass pro against uh, these NFL level defensive linemen, they're just not used to it. And so I do wonder where uh, White is going to fit into that type of a role at the NFL level, if he can kind of fill in those types of spots. The other thing that I realize is further down the list, but I think it's relevant to the draft. New England typically has struggled a fair amount in the draft, generally speaking. And I'm looking at this draft and I do start wondering, one thing McDaniels actually did okay when he was in Denver as the head coach for us and kind of in that GM style role was he actually helped solidify and build out certain position groups to fit a vision that he had. And, you know, a lot of those linemen and a lot of those D linemen and wide receivers were actually, a lot of them were McDaniel picks in terms of under his tutelage here with us. And a lot of Broncos fans miss that and forget that. I do wonder um, how many of these guys fit, what McDaniels has in mind for the future of the Las Vegas Raiders. Because I think when you're looking at some of these players here, a lot of them have growth potential, but it's potential. It's, none of these guys are coming into the league where you're you're saying, oh, that's the guy that you should have picked in round two or the round one. Mm-hmm. These are guys that were all projected to effectively fall to where they did approximately in the draft. 
but that doesn't mean that they're not good players because everyone said that these guys have legit potential. So in that respect, I think they did well. The question is, are they going to fit with what McDaniels wants to do at the head coaching position? Do they fit the scheme? Do they fit the vision? My only comment overall on your on both Kurt and, and your kind of comments earlier, Coach, is I would have liked to see one of the D-tackle, nose-tackle types that they took for those interior guys. I would have liked to have seen them look to a cornerback position with potential since you're talking later round picks anyways. I would have liked to have seen them take a flyer on size speed or speed only or some varied mix of that nature in that position group because at that point in the draft you're taking a flyer anyways most of those guys at that level of the draft don't make it past three to five years tops you hit a flyer and sometimes get freaks that end up like 10 15 year careers but at that point there you're better off trying to aim for flyer wins as opposed to simply taking a guy to see if you can fill out your roster all right, great point. So, great point. So here, so here's the is the most uh, glaring question for the group. So over and under wins. So we understand that Josh McDaniels is a new head coach. And he's bringing his regime in, and he's bringing that Patriot way to to Vegas, right? So where do you feel like this team is going to land in in wins? If you had a, a predict an actual number, it's the over and under for Vegas right now is eight and a half. So that means they will have to win nine to go over, or win eight or, or less to go under. So Richie, we think we have these guys uh, landing in far as wins and losses. I refuse to continue to fall into the same trap that every other person seems to fall in with the Raiders. I just refuse. Every other talking head in the sports media forgets that every year the Raiders come out and they give them like six wins or seven wins or some other nonsense like that. And every year the Raiders come out and beat it by a win or two. And everyone ends up having pie on their face. I'm going to say they probably sit somewhere in around nine to nine and a half wins just based on what we saw from them last year. And I think the talent they were able to over, like just generally retain. Okay. Kurt, what you got? Listen, now this is going to be crazy because I'm very high on the Raiders, but then we're looking at their schedule. I'm very skeptical. Um, to me, eight and a half is pushing it considering who they're going up against. Um, they have the chargers, they have the saints, they have the Patriots. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Let me look here. Let me look. Well, they play uh, the NFC West along with everybody else. So they got the whole NFC West, the whole division. They have the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when looking at that, at I, I don't see them beating the Chargers um, twice. I don't see them beating the Chiefs twice, right? Uh, they may split. And at best, they may split. That and that's still not considering the rest. So to answer, um, I'm gonna push that it's eight, eight and a half, right? I I, I don't want to say I don't see them winning more. They they could squeak out, but I don't see it considering the schedule. So I'm gonna say it's a push right at eight. Uh, eight under. Okay. Yeah, I'm going under. Okay. What you got, Jacob? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Kurt. I'm gonna take the under on on this one right there. They have an absolutely brutal schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I know the whole the whole division does. It ain't going to be, you know, whoever wins this division, it's going to be a bloody mess, to say the least. But the glaring fact is the Raiders lack depth at several key positions. And as you have these brutal seasons, you need that depth to, you know, kind of rejuvenate your guys, account for injuries, things like that. And I just don't know. And especially with, with the new head coach, I know it is Josh McDaniels. 
Um, but with a new head coach, that really doesn't help things. So I, I would take the under. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna take the under as well. I got on my win loss sheet, I got him at seven and uh ten. So uh so yeah, I, I got him uh, going under um for my for my uh, picks as well. Uh Derby Gaming, appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, you know, definitely uh prayers up for John Mechie, man. He uh, got diagnosed with cancer this week, and uh we definitely give that guy uh prayers and, and, and hopefully he gets through his uh sickness fast and hurry and get back on the field and get back to his normal uh form because I was looking forward to seeing him play this yeah. particular season. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh the Broncos. Uh let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that won't go past without having it. I knew it won't go past. I knew it wasn't gonna pass. So in 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 uh in glaring fashion, clearly their biggest pickup for the season is Russell Wilson. Um, you know, it was widely regarded in this particular uh rosters, uh depending on the roster was they were quarterback away. Um and they went out and they did what they had to do to get a quarterback, uh ready made roster. And uh, they had the receiving core that was very dominant. Tight end room was good. O-line was good. And a stable of running backs. Defense was top-notch, you know, um, under Vic Fangio. So, you know, what do you, what do, you do when you have everything but a quarterback? You go out and get one. So they got Russell Wilson. They also went out and got DJ Jones from San Francisco, a very good run-stopping interior D lineman. Uh, they also got lucky, in a sense, and they, and they got uh, Randy Gregory after he balked from the uh, Dallas Cowboys offer because he didn't like the language of this contract. So uh, he ended up signing with the uh, the Broncos to add to that pass rush room with him and, him and Bradley Chubb. They went out and got K. Juan Williams as well and Billy Turner from the from the Packers. So, Richie, we're gonna start off with you. This is this is your squad. Tell us how you feel about your free agency moves and uh, how is it looking for the outlook for the season? Yeah, there's a few other guys as well that we brought back. So they're not necessarily free agency per se. Some of them were returning members. Uh, yeah, I kind of left out the resigns. I kind of got. I kind of try to add a new guy. New yeah, guy. so I mean, I've made it no secret that Eric Saubert is is my tight end that I just truly think is undervalued in the NFL. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to this year being the year where, because he really does better fit a, an outside zone scheme mm-hmm. uh, as a tight end. So he he has a kind of a Shannon Sharp-esque style where he can break out and run if he needs to, but he is that inline blocking guy that when you need him, he can just throw guys backwards as well. So I think that's that's a pretty solid. I actually think he beats out our other free agent pickup, the guy from the Ravens, who's the uh, inline blocking tight end that they ended up bringing in. I actually think Sobert is better than he is uh, overall because I think he's more versatile. I think, I, I and I think that, I think someone like a, uh, a Hackett, uh, is going to value the versatility of someone like Sobert over, like I think his name's Tomlinson, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I, I think that the pickup of Wilson is is a good thing because one of the things that we really did struggle with last year was the accuracy of the deep ball. Okay, we had a whole whack of receivers that were open in certain routes that our quarterback struggled to hit in the right spot of the field. So. When you're trying to throw a deep ball, you need to either throw a guy in stride or throw the ball so that it's not close to the defender. And so pinpoint accuracy is an important thing. That is one of Russell Wilson's strengths. I know I do think Wilson has had some other weaknesses over the last few years, but I do think that the deep ball piece to at least get those chunk yards to get them when you need them. I think that Wilson is the guy to do it. Um, DJ Jones is my favorite signing of the offseason, though. Okay. Okay. Um, and and I'm I'm in that kind of rare Broncos fan air, if you will, where everyone was all over the you know Russell Wilson and yeah yeah yeah, and then I we signed DJ Jones and I I did like you know multiple fist bumps and 
you know, did a little happy dance here on on my side, uh, north of the border. He he was the guy that I really thought we we needed, uh, especially when we gave up uh, Shelby Harris uh, in the trade for Wilson. Mm-hmm. So uh, Shelby Harris had a unique ability to bat the football down at the line of scrimmage. It was it was like freaky almost, just in terms of just his field of vision and his ability to do it. Uh, I used to kind of joke with him. And it was like a baseball play. Cause I used to always tweet at him whenever he did it and say like, you know, yet another batted down, like, you know, start, go play baseball. Um, Cause he was just that good at batting the ball down. But DJ Jones is, is the exact thing that we were really missing. Our, our run defense last year was what killed us. And that is DJ Jones's strength is run stuffing and run stopping. And then we also backfilled, um, two of our interior positions as well uh, in the draft was um, in the draft as well as uh, another position. So we, we recognized what we needed help with and we went out and dealt with it. Billy Turner arguably was our backup answer at the right tackle position, but I'm still going to agree with Jacob and say, we, we really didn't truly address it because nine times out of 10, your starting right tackle comes within the first two rounds of the draft at a minimum. And we really didn't do that. So uh, I still think that we have a bit of a question mark there. Okay. Big McCurr, what you got? Uh, I, uh, you know, um, backing up what Rich said, you know, of course the big splash was Russell Wilson going over to Denver uh, I think the sneaky pickups were DJ Jones and Randy Gregory, um, right? Uh, and and everybody else is kind of just add-ons. In the draft, same thing. I think they addressed some needs, some help-out positions. Um, the tight end position, I think, is one that's going to be sneaky just because we know that Russell Wilson is uh, tight end favorable quarterback, right? So he looks for... Uh, the tight end, of course, looking at their wide receiver core, you go three, you know, you go three positions with them. Uh, that's a very strong wide receiver core. Uh, like him or not, Russell Wilson is a very comparable statistical quarterback um, that can sneaky. He can be sneaky with being efficient and being able to target with accuracy uh, receivers and favorable um, positions and places, right? So you can end up looking up by the end of the game and you can have two receivers going for over a hundred and a number three receiver going for 60 to 70, depending on yak yards. And then you look up again and before you know it, your tight ends looking at 40 to 60, right? And that's not even thinking about throwing out the backfield, which I will give Denver a lot of credit. Uh, they have a very strong backfield, especially when you look at check downs and being able to put their running backs one-on-one against uh, linebackers and safeties, and those uh, running backs are favorable, right? And we've seen that Russell does very well with having a very strong running game, and Denver does have that. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line uh, because Russell can put his offensive line in bad positions because he can hold the football a little longer uh, timing wise for the offensive line. And that's not on the offensive line, right? They're doing their job, but they can only hold pass rushes for so long. And if he's extending the play by constantly holding the football, then unfortunately the sacks are attested to the offensive line. But really when you dive deeper, that's Russell not getting that football out in 
you know, the normal 2.8 and less that most quarterbacks at the higher tier have. So uh, I'm going to agree with Rich. I think is I think the DJ Jones and Randy Gregory picks um, are not being looked at um, enough for what they're looking to do. Um, I don't really know that much about Nathaniel Hackett. So, you know, I don't know his off the philosophy offensive coordinators, what they're going to do, but we know that Russell is a, a seasoned vet. So, you know, at outside this point, zone. huh? Outside zone. Outside zone. So Outside zone, which is, you know, what you've seen from Denver and, you know, the Shanahan and all yep. of those, that, that that's all outside zone. So that's what you yep. can probably expect a lot more of. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I, I feel that they've made some solid picks, but again, they're in a very bloody division, right? When we look for this division and this is a very bloody division and the, 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 the schedule is not easy for Denver. Um, it's a little yeah, better for anybody in the division. That's yeah, real about it. It's, it's a little for anybody. It's a little better for Denver comparatively to who they have outside of the division. Uh, Jacksonville. Um, they have. Uh, I looked at a couple. They have a couple easier games um, in their schedule than what I saw with uh, the Raiders. Right? They got the Jets. They have Jacksonville. Um, the Colts game is going to be difficult, but they have the Texans too, right? So they got a little easier schedule, but I think they did very well um, with the pickups. Okay. All right, uh, Jake, what you got? First off, Derpy's coming in hard tonight, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, man, Derpy's coming in hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Der- Derpy heard that. Let's ride to start off the segment. I think uh, that's what set him off. Got I yeah. all, got him all riled up. Going. Derpy got his feet on somebody's couch. Right. <laughs> Muddy boots and all. Muddy boots oh. and all. <laughs> Look, uh, the, the Russell Wilson move is the one that makes headlines, but the ones that actually made Denver competitive in the division are going to be the DJ Jones, the Randy Gregory moves, mm-hmm. and, uh, especially the, the Billy Turner move, um, which, you know, I've, I don't know why. I've kind of been a Billy Turner fan. I know he isn't like a huge name or even like above average. But I I like him for some reason. I couldn't tell you why. Uh, I thought I thought they had a pretty good draft considering their lack of draft capital. Nick Benito, he was a he was a fringe first round guy. Um, Greg, I, I always mess up his last name. Greg Dolchich. Dolchich, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, very very raw, very intriguing tight end prospect to join that offense. Well, he's um, for sure the next head and shoulders commercial guy. You know that for sure. Right? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Like, like, let's, let's just call that a let's just call that right now, right? Yeah. Agreed. Definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> get his reps on the phone right now. I there, you there you go. Look, I I thought they had a solid offseason. Yeah. I and you know, coach, I might be getting ahead of myself here, but seeing that over under 10, um, I I don't know. I'm more of a I'm more of a prove it guy, you know. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are in Missouri after all, so show me state and yeah. I don't want Russell Wilson to show me that he can succeed hey. in Denver. Hey man, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Cause uh, yeah, I don't have them. I, I have them right at 10. So it, I have to go over them to say they meant 11 to go over that. So yeah, I'm right. I'm going to, I would have to go under in that regard as well. Um, for, for me, I think like I said, I think they hit and I think all the guys are, are uh, spot on with your takes and I don't have anything further to add, except with the idea that, you know, I think that two teams in this division are, uh, coming into new schemes, new situations from a coaching perspective, and two teams having their incumbents. 
So that may lend to some early success from two teams and some, I guess you could say, growing pains from other teams. We have to see. Um, you know, but I, but I do like the idea that you have Derek Carr, a seasoned veteran, and yeah, Russell Wilson, another seasoned veteran, coming in to to matriculate into these offices versus say you had a rookie. If you had a rookie coming into a brand new system and you had this uh, a, a juggernaut team, then you probably would struggle further. But I think the 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 learning curve for these teams will be lessened by their veteran leadership um, overall. But yeah, I like I like what what everybody's done as far as moves. Like I said, I think Nick Benito's. We, I think Rich and I talked about him uh, at the draft coverage and out doing a YOS podcast, and we both like him as a as a uh, fringe uh, one slash two draft number two draft pick. Um, you know, I like Greg Dolce's being athletic and, and, and being sneaky, um, maybe getting some reps towards the middle of the season to kind of steal some catches from Alberto and and, and Sauber and those guys, because I really like his athleticism, uh, his size, you know, and just, just the way he plays um, the tight end position. Like, so you don't get a lot of glory in college being a tight end, but I think he's a gamer. And they, they, I think they stole one there. I know, honestly, he just the tight end room was low. That's the only problem he really has. Because if he was on a different team and he was tight end one, he'd, be, he'd probably be a, a rookie of year candidate. So we'll, we'll we'll just have to see where it lands, but uh, I think Jake, Jacob and I both gave our over and under. So what did Rich and Kurt? What do you have over under for the Broncos before we move on? Uh, I'm gonna tell you it's under. Okay. Expecting ten wins? Mm. Nah, that's that's asking for a lot. So I I got under. Okay. I struggle with this one actually, and and the reason why I struggle with it is that um, Derpy, uh, I I think you. You need to look back at the first year when Drew Locke was in the league and look at the players that are on the team, particularly the offensive line. They played very well in an outside zone blocking scheme. So we've already seen most of the players play in the scheme that they're going to likely be put in this year. So I think that, you know, that should take away some of the question marks that I think are warranted when you're looking at, say, the Raiders, because the Raiders, it's been since 2017, whereas the Broncos, it was only since 2019, where you saw the outside zone scheme. So I think that uh, when we look at that, uh, I could see 10 wins. I I could see even creeping higher if we stay healthy and things gel. But I think you need to be really, really realistic in the fact that you don't finish in the spot where the Broncos were last year. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm probably going nine. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be slightly under, but I could, I could absolutely see like a 12 win season. If we stay healthy and start shaking some of these injuries and some other teams in our division in particular uh, end up with some injuries and the Broncos don't. Okay. I like it. I like it. All right. So uh, I think we all are, Hedging our bet as far as the over, I think we kind of it kind of hesitant to go over, but um, they have the potential to do it. But I think if if all things remain equal, nobody had any major injuries, they might just be right at ten or under. All right, so let's talk about the next team, my squad, the Chargers, the boat game. So, I mean, you know, what can we say about the the free agency period for them? I mean. I think there was the one team, and I know you can call me biased, whatever you want to call me, but I think there was the one team that had the ability, and I think I said this in the, in the podcast last week on the Wild West podcast, that they were the one team that they were had the draft capital and the free agency dollars to be able to hit in both arenas. You know, because you, yep. if you were a team that you had, you either had a lot of draft capital and no money, or you had a lot of money in free agency, but you have no draft capital. So with that being said, uh, we went out and traded for Khalil Mack. Uh, to go along with Joy Bosa as being uh, the secondary edge rusher in uh, in that particular uh, defense uh, and coming under Brandon Sully for the second year. 
Uh, we, all, we also got, we paid for it and got JC Jackson with the one to sought out in number one corner in free agency uh, this particular offseason. Uh, we stole Sebastian Joseph's day from the, across the uh, locker room, across the arena, and from the Rams. We stole him from the Rams. Uh, uh, great run-stopping D-tackle, interior lineman. Uh, also got Austin Johnson from the Giants, another, uh, I guess you can say, the, uh, a kind of DJ Jones type of mode where he's you know, he's known for his run-stopping ability uh, in interior as well. And we, all, we also got, went on and got Bryce Callahan in free agency. So, I know Rich. I know Rich. <laughs> Bryce Callahan <laughs> is, is a Brandon Staley, is a Brandon Staley disciple in a sense because he, you know, formerly of the Broncos and the Bears of Staley both coached in previous years. So he knows Staley's system and uh, he's been told it and touted as the one guy that is, you know, the prototypical slot corner. Like he's he, when healthy, he plays slot corner like nobody's business. So, and it's so it's one of those areas we really wanted to address. We're having JC on the outside and bringing back uh, Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside. We needed somebody that can fill a slot and fill it well. So we wanted we wanted got Bryce Callahan on a one year deal. So we uh we kind of snuck in and, and and stole the Broncos Thunder in a sense. But um, uh, but uh, to, but also to add to the draft, I think like I said, I think we had a killer draft. We went out and got Zion Johnson in the first round, interior lineman. Uh, when I got J.C. Woods, they call him the R-Break Kid uh, from Baylor. Uh, speedy, rangy, uh, uh, interception, ball-hawking safety from Baylor. Uh, when I got Isaiah Spiller as well to uh, help out Austin Eckler in the backfield. Uh, got Otito O.G. Benoe. I finally got his name right. O.G. Benoe. Otito O.G. Benoe. I've been trying to get it right for weeks. Uh, interior D-Lyman, uh, another run-stopping D-Lyman from, from UCLA. And then we stole stole Jameer Salyer from, uh, from Georgia, the national title team. Uh, we stole him in the sixth round to to bolster our right, uh, hopefully our right tackle spot. That's my hope. But it's a, it's a, it's a it's a position battle going into camp between him, Storm Norton, and Trey Pipkin. So, with all the moves that the Chargers made, um, start with Jacob. How do you feel what the Chargers did in those arenas, and what you feel like the Chargers are going to do this season with this new roster? Man, I really feel like they won both free agency and the draft um, as far as the division goes. Personally, like if you added them up together. I, mm-hmm. I think the Chargers won in that account. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. I wrote an article on Arrowhead Addict. It was like five mm-hmm. interior defenders that the Chiefs should look at, and those two mm-hmm. were were two of them. So when I saw both of them go to the Chargers, I was a little disappointed. Um, but I think, you know, the the Chargers addressed most of their needs in free agency rather than relying on the draft, which there is Mm -hmm. something to be said there. Um, You know, the Zion Johnson pickup, I was kind of scratching my head on draft night when it happened, not, not going to lie, but ultimately Herbert needs to have a pocket to step up into and Zion Johnson can hopefully set that pocket a little bit. So I'm, you know, if if I'm a Chargers fan, I'm feeling good about what the team did to compete in 2022. I don't know. Okay. Kurt, what you got? Oh man, listen. On paper, it's exciting, right? Um, JC Jackson to me was one of the top pickups overall, looking at whoever everyone that they they partnered with. Um, JC Jackson, Derwin James, um, Samuel. Um uh to me, you look at that right there, just those three names are powerful, right? When you look at this division. You look at the aerial assault and being able to have uh, a corner who climbed um, the the ranks, right, from being in the Patriots organization and being undrafted undrafted and Mm -hmm. being and becoming a rock solid defender. Right. He has 
Um, he has something where he can be hybrid, right? You have Derwin James, who, barring injury, is one of the top safeties in the NFL, right? Now you have a J.C. Jackson who can go from a corner to a safety position and give Derwin James that ability to kind of come down uh, into the box and start taking tight ends and, and things like that. You have the ability to use him in multiple different ways. Um, and then Khalil Mack is still a dominant, dominant force, right? Yeah, he may have lost a step. He may not be the Khalil Mack from old. But who's on the other side of him, right? So who's on that other side where you now don't have to worry about Khalil Mack demanding all the attention? So I think this is one of the first times in Khalil Mack's career that he hasn't been the main focal point of defenses having to shift their offensive line and shift their protection to him, right? So now, because if you do, you got a terror coming off the other side who's been shown mm -hmm. to be dominant, right? And to be able to have two defensive ends like that. Uh, and what's scary is that he's a veteran who can, who can show more technique to Bosa. And that's scary, that's right? A good point. That's a good he point. Can, he can get in there and show him some of the – the, the long tooth type of technique, adding two to three moves to your repertoire, right? And as a young player, having that kind of veteran presence who's been around the league, who's seen certain things, it's the same thing that Amari Cooper did for C.D. Lamb, being able to show just some veteran nuances to up your game. Okay. And look what you see in the draft. Again, they've made good picks with what they had in the draft, right? Um I don't think any of us can say that Herbert's not going to be one of the face uh, uh, quarterbacks that are the face of the league as a young gun coming up. Right. Um, I am a little concerned about their wide receiver core. Uh, Keenan Allen pros pro. He doesn't get enough credit. But then when you start looking at those others, those two, those threes, those four injuries have been something that is uh, dinged them. And if you start losing one to two of those receivers, that starts to hurt. Right. I'm not 100 percent still sold on Eckler Eckler yet. You're um, not not a not 100 percent just because of injury concerns. I think he fits their offense. Mm. But I think that what we saw last year when he went he went out, how it affected that offense. But you got Herbert. Look, man, yeah. you, can, well. you can you can put you can put the burden on that right arm. Yeah. Uh, and he you know, it's like. um it's like when somebody says that when you have a great player, they can mask a lot of wrong because they can mm -hmm. make a lot of right. Okay. Right. And so that's okay. Herbert. But look, overall, I'm excited. Um, you know, I've been rocking with you. I, when I asked you what made you a Chargers fan long ago, that made me start paying attention. And what I've seen them do, I think they are right there and ready to take that next step to being one of the dominant teams in the AFC. So I'm excited for what they've done and especially what they've picked up in free agency and in the draft. Okay. All right, Richard, what you got? Um, so first off, uh, I don't think you and I are watching the same player in Eckler. Listen, I want to say um, that. So, so look, uh, look, I'm uh, in case you can't tell I'm, I'm the Broncos fan here in, in like right. electric orange. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm coming, I coming at you saying, um what anyways um <laughs> so we'll, we'll just leave it at that and just say we will agree to disagree eckler yeah. eckler is a top tier talent has proven 
and he is he is in that vein where you need to pay attention to where he's on the field. Uh, he can do all sorts of awful if you're not paying attention, and you need to ensure that you've appropriately and aptly covered him on the field. So let's just say we will agree to disagree on the Eckler comment. And let, me coming, say, let me say and this. I, I'm a fan. I'm just concerned about his injury history. Well, well, I, I, I don't I'm think his talent. His well, talent. I'm going to get into I'm, that. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get into that because I think part of his injury issues and 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 whatnot is as a result of a offensive line that is good but not great. And as a result, I think he is getting far more big man pressure put on his smaller frame yes. than uh, than it can take. And fair, fair. Uh, and and just for those who don't know, I come from a rugby background. Um, I believe in hitting people at full speed without pads and inflicting maximum pain. Um, that's <laughs> okay. just kind of my mental mindset. That's how I was brought up. Uh, I come from a long history of CFL players where kicking and punching and uh, whatnot is all perfectly <laughs> legal and fun and, uh, you know, an enjoyable part of any football game. So we can just, that kind of gives you my mental mind space and kind of where I come from. But nonetheless, a small guy like that just doesn't have the frame to withstand that type of punishment um, because he doesn't have the size or, or the musculature over a much larger frame to absorb it. Mm. And as a guy, I would argue I would too, I would look to abuse someone like that to force them into finding the bench as quickly as possible. And it seems that other teams are effectively trying to do that with Eckler. But that doesn't take away from his skill set or talent. Not at all. No, he is. He is legit at the NFL level. But oh, yeah. coach, to answer your question more directly, um, I very much am putting the Chargers in a very similar position as I am the Raiders. And the reason why I say that is I think you have at the top end of your uh, of your roster, uh, you have a lot of cream at the top of that crop. I think you have uh, Khalil Mack, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, again, almost like a DJ Jones, I think is going – a little too much under the radar from my oh, liking. Yeah. I don't think enough people are giving him the credit where credit's due. Agreed. Uh, he, is, he is at that level. And I think a lot of people need to start talking about him a little bit more. Let's just put it this way. Um, he is not lost on me. Um, okay. Right. And right. now my concern with JC Jackson is um, Bill. Uh, we'll just call him the hoodie uh, is typically is typically not that wrong on a lot of the guys that he lets go. And I'm a bit concerned that there may be some disappointment with JC Jackson in terms of him being a perfect cog in the defensive scheme that he had in new England. And that you may see a drop off because uh, there's not that many guys that are like a keep to leap, a keep to leap, a keep to leap could stand on his own and was able to ball hawk and do all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced until I see it outside of new England, that JC Jackson can be the same guy. And I that's think, a, and I think that's a fair comment. Like, I don't care who else is, wants to slam on me for that. No, I agree with that. No, I, I agree with that because yeah. most people that leave the Valentine system aren't the, is the same player. They might still be decent, but they aren't the same player. But right. it's just a there's a difference role. between being decent, good, and great. And I think a right. lot of people are wanting great, and I'm concerned that you might get good and decent, and that's not mm -hmm. what you paid for. So I think that's something that you know bears noting. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the other concern that I have is is just um, with regards to what you guys did at the back end of last season. And that is, um, you went one and four as opposed to four and one. So the Raiders went four and one, and you guys went one and four. And I think that um, you need to properly assess some of the reasons why you went one and four rather than four and one. 
and I'm not sure that all of the right things were done to course correct. I think that a lot of the things were done to course correct. I think you guys did a lot of work on the interior with your kind of that dead center of your D line. Mm. I am concerned that some of the D ends, I'm also concerned that some of the depth at the D end and outside linebacker position is a little thinner compared to some of the other teams, which may come back to bite you, particularly given the fact that almost like uh, Von Miller or I think I saw a couple other chats here where they were talking about uh, Chubb from the Broncos, who's been injured a fair amount. Um, you have Mac uh, and uh, Bosa, who have both been dinged up, where they've had they've struggled to complete a full season in the last few years. That could come back to bite you, and that could really be an issue. Okay. All right. So uh, you know, fair point. So you know, I, I think that um, that we we've done a better job than recent history of addressing depth. And I think the guys that they drafted are purely for that in a lot of spaces, except for Zion. I think Isaiah Spiller is one of those guys who's going to help Eckler because he's a bigger back. Uh, you know, he's, he, get, he gives you that. Everybody equates him to Le'Veon Bell, you know, being a bigger back, but being really shifty in small space. So I think he can take the, a, lot, a lot of lion's share of the carries in between tackles and allow Eckler to be more of a second and third down receiving back. In certain cases, use more of as a weapon than a running back. So I think yeah. that'll help. I think having JT Woods was 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 prominent as well to have that third safety on the field where you can move Derwin James in the box and roam him around and cover those elite tight ends we have in the division. Um, and getting Otito and Jamari to help those uh, the depth problems we've had online in the past. So I think they did a much better job than they have in recent years to do things. But yet again, until we hit the field, until everybody's healthy come game one, we really don't know. But I, I do like, and I think, you know, a lot of people that would have talked to would have been in my chats, been in my videos and things of that nature, are all more excited about this year than in previous years because the because the lack of depth and lack of quality uh, potential that we've had in years past hasn't been there. Because like I said, the comment I made about the Raiders is that they're good uh, in the front line, but when you start to get the second and third on the depth chart, it, it gets different. And it has been like that for years for us. But this year, I think it's, it's a bit different. I think the charges are trending in the right direction. But again, which is until you play the game, you really don't understand. But I definitely like where we where we are from a roster perspective, and it's it's got a lot of people in in Chargers land excited. So when it comes down to to wins, they have it over under under over under of ten as well. So how do we feel about that particular uh, aspect of it? We'll, we'll start with Rich. Um, I have you guys. If everything goes swimmingly and all the right guys fit properly, I have you guys between. Uh, probably around 11 if I were to kind of give my my guess. Uh, although I think that the problem is is that there's a few guys on your team that are questionable in terms of injury concerns. So I could see you guys sliding all the way down to nine or even eight depending on injuries just because of my previous comments is that I truly I truly believe that in this division it's going to come down to health. Oh, hundred percent. I, I, tr I truly, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even trying to slander a divisional opponent here. I just believe Everybody. that health is going to be what determines one way or another. So I could see you guys going as low as maybe nine or eight wins, depending on health and how early guys go out if they do go out. And I could see all the way up to 12, 13, you know, easy uh, if you guys all stay healthy and everything gels properly. Accurate. I like that. I like that. All right, so uh, Kurt, what you got? Take a minute. Um, I could see eleven, but I'm gonna stay right at ten. Okay, Jacob, what you got? Hey man, I am. I'm taking the over. 
all right, I really see I really see a 12-win season coming for the Chargers. Um, I think it's going to be a very good season, so I'd put my money on that. I put the over. Yeah, I'm with my man SoCal Slime in the chat over at Easy Money. I, I'm definitely taking the over, and I might put I might put a little money on that as long as we stay healthy. <laughs> hey, we, there it is. You're still at ten when the season starts and we're healthy. I'm putting money down. But I book it. I'm putting money down. Book it. Bono wears the uh, yellow colored lenses, and Coach wears them powder blue colored lenses. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I I'm not surprised. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> All right. So last but not least, the, the former division winners, not say former because I think it's going to change this year. The future. The future division winners. Uh, the, the former division winners, the Chiefs. <laughs> you know what? You know, Jacob, you know, since you're you're guessing, I don't get to talk to you as much as I used to as far as podcast is concerned. I'm going to let you take this on, on yourself. Take bring, bring it home for us as far as the AFC West, no Chiefs are concerned. Let us know how you feel. The reigning defending undisputed AFC West champions, Kansas City Chiefs. Running it back, baby. Let's go. All right. Free agency. (laughs) Hey, look, all all in all, free agency was all about, you know, trying to give some of those targets back that we lost from the Tyree kill trade. Mm -hmm. All the dust is settled from there. Um, Chiefs fan base, from what I could tell, is feeling pretty solid about – our wide receiving core right now. So thankfully we made some moves there have not made any moves on the defensive front, which is both frustrating and puzzling for most of us. Uh, George Karloftis was taken in the draft at 30th overall. So hopefully he can develop into a dominant force on the other end. But when Frank Clark is your best pass rusher on the edge, that's not a, not a great sign mm-hmm. for your, uh, for your defense prospects. Um, still got Chris Jones on the interior. He's a big storyline right now. Biggest storyline, of course, is the Orlando Brown Jr. Negotiations because the man is a top three right tackle, but wants to be paid like a top three left tackle. All right, hey man, give him his money, man. He needs a move on. So look, <laughs> I'm of course, I'm going to be high on the chiefs. Um, of course, I'm going to give them. They have shown me that they can win a tough AFC West in the past. I think they can do it again. All right. That's, <laughs> that's all I got. I'm, I'm dropping the mic. Okay. All right. Kurt, what you got on, on the Chiefs moves this, in this offseason? Um, they, they made moves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, MV, MVS. Look. I'm I, I jury's still out. I wait to see. I know he could take the top off, you know. Um, I know he's a speed burner. Uh, but he here's what makes me uncomfortable with the moves, right? Um, Juju Smith Schuster injury, and he didn't look as dominant without another receiver, A B on the other side, right? True. So that doesn't lend to me saying that okay he can come in and be this this type of receiver marquez okay he has success but here's here here's what i will say to counter my own um to counter my own statement do you really need one receiver to do the job of a tyreek hill or whatever or can you say hey we're gonna bring in a committee and now 
compared to having to say it's Tyreek and Kelsey and then everybody else, it's, hey, we have receivers that we will throw the ball, the football to. And here's where I will give credit to Andy Reid. Andy Reid has played with worse in Philly, right? He had worse in Philly. So coming over here, I think, and the reason I say that and I bring that up is because I believe that he understands how to play with middle-tier receivers and still be successful. Um, they don't need another Tyreek Hill. They need Patrick Mahomes now to be able to get the ball out of his hand into playmakers and make plays and let them make plays. You still have the top tight end, if not top two tight end in the league in Kelsey, um, who's a pro's pro. And so with that being said, yeah, they didn't get any big name receiver. They may have gotten a lot of quality receivers now that just all you need them to do is catch and move the chains. We just haven't seen it when they've brought in exactly Alex spread the ball around. We just haven't seen outside of when you had Tyreek, we haven't seen a strong number two, right? Thought Josh Gordon was going to be that for a second. And then he fell off Demarcus Robinson um, and other players, but you have seen other players have some success, just not consistently, but Andy Reed knows how to make irrelevant guys relevant. Right. And so I'm going to give him credit on that. I can't bet against Andy Reid when it comes to that. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit is due as a coach and, off, and a coordinator with uh, enemy. Um And so in the draft, again, they made the picks that they had. They made picks with them that I think um, helped out their team. Now, remind me, it's Sky Moore. What position? Wide receiver, slot receiver. Wide receiver, slot. Mm -hmm. Slot style. Yep. Slot style. So, again, mm -hmm. what you lose in one, you make up for with a, a type of Sky Moore. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be some barn burner or anything like that, but you put him in this offense in a slot position um, and being able to work those routes in the middle of the field. We know that Patrick Mahomes throws off platform. He moves around. So he's going to buy you time right he's going to buy you some extra and so with having a receiver that can do certain things in the slot sky Moore could be a sneaky a sneaky receiver here but um yeah i i will say 11 wins i don't see it okay okay <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that not in this division you see 11 wins i don't see it okay i yeah. like it yeah i like it i like it okay richie what you got I think they did really well in the draft. I, I, they slam dunk the draft. I, I, I think that they addressed a a great with uh, Trent McDuffie. I think Karloftis has the mm -hmm. potential of of slowly escalating up in terms of you know elevating his game and whatnot. I do question the folks that he'll be learning from because I'm not necessarily sure that uh, they they have the ethic that is required or the work ethic mm -hmm. and the other uh, skill set or whether or not they'll be willing to teach him the things that he needs to learn at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that's, um, that's questionable. Uh, same thing with Sky Moore. So they have a guy named Nicole Hardman who they brought in who had a similar skill set um, who failed miserably compared to what they were hoping he would end up being. I truly believe they brought in Nicole Hardman so that they didn't have to pay Tyreek the first time. 
And uh, yeah, that didn't work out so well. So I, I actually think that Sky Moore is their second kick at the can, so to speak. And I, I do question whether or not uh, they have hit this time rather than not, because it's it's clear that they don't necessarily feel that McCall Hardman is the guy that they wanted him to be uh, in KC to fill in that kind of speed, uh, quick, uh, shifty type wide receiver. Um, if you're honestly trying to think that Chris Jones is an outside linebacker, Alex, you and I have some words that we need to have after the show. Um, <laughs> you have my email. We co-host on the Wild Wild West. Uh, you can email me at any time. Um, so, um, and, and, and moving on from there, uh, looking at the free agency targets, aside from the guys that they have there, they've got a, a few guys that look like they have great law firm names. Um, I know, right, right. And, 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 and they nailed that. Um, Schuster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, they've really nailed the, the whole law firm look, but, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that, um, they, they've nailed, um, I just don't think they've nailed the wide receiver spot. They haven't filled the position that they lost per se. Um, Tyreek Hill was such a unique talent because he was a speed receiver who after three years developed himself into a polished route runner. And I, I really don't think many NFL fans truly appreciate how weird and rare that is because so many times Guys that are super speedy like that. That's all you get. That's all you get. They basically say, I am so damn fast. Good luck. Right. And and they just don't polish the other elements of their game because they don't feel they need to. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you got with a guy like Tyreek Hill was a bit of a diamond in the rough where I think with Patrick Mahomes and some of the other things that he was doing, I think Patrick Mahomes forced Tyreek Hill to develop a polished route running game because of Patrick Mahomes extension of plays. Okay, And I think that that forced Tyreek Hill to kind of play his role. And I also think that a guy like Andy Reid with his kind of easygoing attitude lent himself really well to someone like Tyreek Hill who respected him. And I think that, you know, unlike some of these maybe old school coaches who, you know, just yelled at you to say, do your job now, get it done. I don't, Andy Reid does not strike me as that type of guy. I think Andy Reid... Um, spends the additional time with each player as needed, especially ones as special, dare I say, as Tyreek Hill at the NFL level. And I think that that probably, again, lent itself to Tyreek Hill polishing his game and taking it to the next level, as well as the position. Uh, clearly, the position coach that Andrew Reid has at the wide receiver uh, coach uh, is a winner. Um, but I don't think that – I do question whether or not they can they can turn – a non-rookie or, or an early stage guy in their career and do the same thing with a, a veteran at this point to kind of make them into a unique or special player. And okay. I don't think that um, Valdez Scantling or Smith Schuster, I think they are what they are at this point. I think they developed all their bad habits. I think they developed their good habits. And I question whether or not a change of scenery is going to make that big of a difference um, in KC. Obviously, Mahomes is a special talent. He can sling the ball down the field. But with a guy like Mahomes comes special challenges as well. So can they manage the extension of plays? Can they manage the um, ad-libbing that's going to be required when they have to come back or get themselves open? I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Okay. That's fair. 
That's fair. I mean, that's definitely going to be a switch of or change of the guard in regards to their offense. But um, and it could take some time to try to mesh with the new uh, faces that you have in your offense in that regard. But again, you know, to, to Coach Curry's point, you know, uh, Andy Reid and Bienemy are gifted play callers, so they can kind of try to make do until they figure out, figure their way, and figure what their identity is going to be going forward. <laughs> Actually, I, I saw an interesting post the other day that they said this is going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire's breakout year. You know, he's, he, he's going to have a, a banner year, a pro bowl type year based upon him staying healthy. So that's going to be interesting uh, facet as well, because he had him and Ronald Jones running the ball now and, and being more and both being receivers out of the backfield. So we shall see. You know, it could be one of those things where you get get you get more of a balanced offense. So you kind of you know, you, maybe you won't be handicapped by the idea of having Tyreek Hill and, and being able to go to him in the crush and be, it forces Mahomes to matriculate and, and understand he needs to spread the ball around to all the guys he has and whoever's open versus I can, I know what Tyreek is, I know what Kelsey is, I'll just throw the ball to them and get it over with. So we'll really, we'll see how things shake out. Now, we, you know, just a quick point, you know, we did lose uh, Jacob because he had to go, he had to do another podcast, but uh, we appreciate him coming through and giving us his take on the Chiefs uh uh moves in in their in their uh, roster going forward into the season. So um they do, do have them at over and under of an 11. Um so what do we have that um from a opinion perspective? Do you think they're over 11 under 11 rich what you got? Uh, just to touch on that last point um in order for both Mahomes, Reed and Eric uh Bien-Ami, in order to do the things that you said they need to do that means they need to completely change what their previous four to five years have been in terms of mental mindset, in terms of their game plan, uh, mm-hmm. how they've schemed an offense. And at that point there, I think there's a fair point to be made that uh, you have to then question whether or not both the quarterback, the offensive play caller and the head coach can adapt to that appropriately because you're, you're inserting completely different uh, mental it's mindset new, into the game territory. at that point. It's really new territory. Yeah, yeah, completely new territory at that stage, and I and I think there's a fair comment to be made whether or not the the three kind of key individuals that kind of play into that can actually adapt to that, and and I believe that's a you know a fair comment to make, uh, much like you know both the Raiders and the Broncos have to kind of adjust to that same kind of shift, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of over under, um, I think what the challenge you're going to end up with is a guy like uh, Kelsey will eventually start to slow down. Now, the question is, is this year he slows down or is it a year or two from now? That's yet to be seen. Um, there's there's not that many freaks like a Rob Gronkowski that can take that type of abuse and keep on going and still be in the topper, in the upper echelon of the NFL. Most tight ends kind of hit an upper wall and then crash pretty hard just simply because they're kind of that hybrid receiver lineman role, especially at the NFL level and their bodies can only take so much. So I could totally see them hitting a, an eight or nine win ceiling this year uh, with the fact that they've had to go undergo so many changes and they're relying on one guy. Okay. Kurt, what you got? Uh, I have them right at 11. Again, I looked at their schedule um, just overviewing their schedule, man. And they look, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Do they have winnable games? Yes, but they mm-hmm. have some juggernauts, right? Um, they that they're facing. And again, when I'm going through this division, man, I don't see any team. I would be shocked that if any team sweeps anyone in this division. So at best I, I do splits, right? Okay. Um, because again, on any given day, I can't say, 
the Chiefs are going to go two and zero against the Broncos. Two and uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not like like Alex said, it's not favorable at all. So as much as I hyped them up, on one hand, I also have to be realistic at looking at these games and looking at who they have to face week after week, right? Um, and and the, the games that they're facing is not favorable for someone to come out with more than 11 wins. So I say right at 11. Um, and that's not bad, right? I mean, that's not bad. Oh, that division, out of the toughest division in the, in the, in the, in the whole entire NFL, 11 wins is, is, is definitely yeah. a successful season. Go on, 11 if you're at 11 wins, you're within – you've probably won the division at 11 wins, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is the year where the Chiefs – start a bit of a slide a little bit because they're trying to recreate an identity as I kind of stated earlier. Mm-hmm. And typically speaking, it takes a season or two, even for someone as gifted as Andy Reed to modify their mental mindset in order to adapt to a new identity that they're not necessarily used to playing. That's fair. That's fair. I haven't read at 11 as well. Um, again, I think it could be a race to 12. I think whoever wins, whoever manages 12 in this division will likely win it. Um, you know, 11, it might be, a, it might be a tie and you gotta have to go to head to head matchups and division wins and all that good stuff. If, if people tie at 11, but I definitely think that, uh, if, if you make it to 12 in this division, you probably will win it. And Listen. that's what needs to uh, be, uh, be, uh, be, 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 what you should look for. And you try to be your goal in order to win a division. I looked at one stretch. They have the charger, the chargers, the Colts. The Bucks, the Raiders, Buffalo, and San Francisco all back to back. And when you're looking at Buffalo and San Francisco again, unless something changed, you have the defense of San Francisco that you have to contend with. Mm-hmm. And then you have the offense and defense of Buffalo that you have to contend with. It's rough. And, as, and you have the Bucks, the Bucks yeah. in there, right? And you got the offense and defense of the Bucks again. That's three games that yeah. you have to fight between, right? And, yeah, like, I, I love what Rich said. In the midst of having to do an identity shift, you you're now dealing it. with a tough schedule. So That's it. Yeah. That's it. All right. So I want to thank Rich for being uh, being so gracious and, and bringing us his takes from, uh, from MHRT Network. And uh, I will see you Wednesday, my good brother. And, well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it, guys. And uh, please stick around for the rest of this pod. Uh, I will be watching it after the fact to make sure I don't miss any of it. And uh, there's a like and subscribe button there at the bottom. Go ahead and uh, and click both to ensure you guys uh, follow Coach uh, Kirk. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rich. Appreciate it. All right. So yeah. So that that's our take on the AFC West. Uh, we we pretty much had a similar takes on wins. Uh, we all had we all had different or, or, or additions to what's going to make or break uh, the season for most of these teams. But it's to me, you know, hands down, is the best division in in uh, football. Uh, much like the NFC West was last year, they switched over to the AFC West this year. Just staying on the West Coast, just switching to conferences, and it's gonna be a bloodbath. Much like I said that the NFC uh, West was a prison fight last year, the AFC West right. can be a prison fight this year. And right. no matter who comes out of it, you're gonna be bloody and bruised. True, fact. <laughs> you're gonna be bloody and bruised. So, <laughs> all right. So last time we were gonna broach the NFL segment before we go over to the NBA is uh, contracts. So uh, somebody uh, in the in a smaller stature uh, this week got paid. Uh, yeah. Callum Murray. Callum Murray got uh, two hundred well two hundred thirty million uh, or so dollars in new contract money. 
Yeah. Um, with I believe it was 160 guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. so average out about be about what about 46, 47 million dollars annually a year. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So with Kyler getting paid, I want to get Coach Kurt's take real quick on how we feel like Kyler getting paid changes the outlook for the Cardinals. One, and how does that affect Lamar Jackson's contract? Two. So I'll start with the outlook for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You have hitched your wagon to Kyler Murray now. Yes. Right? So you have officially um, pushed all your chips to the middle. And I get it. Uh, what was your next option? That's right? When, when looking at that, uh, around the globe, around mm-hmm. the NFL, talent, second to none. Scary quarterback legs and arm, second to none. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sometimes can be what is what is what is scary, right? Because you you sometimes look at what can be, and not looking at what is. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm guilty as that as well. You see this talent, and you're like, oh man, with this and this, we got something, right? And you lean to that positive side. But sometimes we need to take a step back and see what we. We have now, true enough, DeAndre Hopkins, as I said before, uh, shifts this offense greatly, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just certain things that, when looking at the contract, um, when looking at the player, makes me nervous. But here's the thing he's gotten paid. When you look at what's options out there, he was in a great position, a very good position. Yeah, he was in a very good position because it's leverage. You start getting um, buyer's remorse. If we don't do that, if we don't do this and he does, you know, it's like having that X that's extremely attractive. Right. That you sometimes stay hooked to a little yeah. too long because you're like, if I see her with somebody else happy, I'm, she is bad. Right. You know, and I'm going to be second guessing myself. So she you might be of, toxic, but she bad. She bad. Right. <laughs> can't, can't deny that she bad. And right. I think that's what Kyler, when you look around the landscape, you start looking at arm talent. You start looking at mobility. You start looking at what he's done and the success. Um, mm-hmm. You get gun shy about letting that hit with someone else. And right. then you're sitting there looking at what he's become. Yeah. And you had him in your organization, mm-hmm. right? You have a coach that I think they have a very good relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think for Kyler's uh, point and the Cardinals point, you went all in and said, okay, with what we have already, mm-hmm with the receivers that we have now, the mm-hmm. running backs that we've built around, let's hope that he can take that next step as a quarterback. And um, yeah, SoCal so Slime said you can't fake confidence. Right? That's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. So if I'll say this. If he plays quarterback nearly as well as he plays the game, he plays gaming, professional mm-hmm. gaming, Right. the Cardinals are in a good position. But okay. I'm waiting till we get to – what it does for Lamar. So I'm going to throw it over to you. What do you think about his contract? Okay. Well, to your, to your analogy, I, I, I referenced, and this is going to play right into the AFC West, right? I hearken, I hearken the relationship that Kyler had with the Cardinals as like, we're going to say he was Sierra when she was with Future. You know, when, when, when Sierra was with Future, Future, they had a baby and all that kind of stuff, but Future wasn't <laughs> Future, Beautiful woman. He right. let her walk out the door and Russell Wilson came right through and swooped her up. And two kids later, guess what? You know, they happy look, you know, look, they look presidential. So I'm sure he gritting his teeth like she looked much better on the other side, you know, hang with hang with Russell Wilson than she and she could have been with me. 
you know, that kind of thing. So that's yeah. that's the type of buyer's remorse that future has. So you didn't want to end up like future Arizona, is what I'm saying. So you went ahead and and locked her down and you let you let your you let your girl stay home right. rather than go out in, into the streets again to find a new boot. So with that being said, <laughs> I think that I think Kyler, you know, I think he played his cards well. I do think that he ultimately, uh, you know, was wasn't he stood on he stood his ground and said that, uh, you know, I have improved, you know, every year. You know, I've gotten better as as a quarterback every year. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, we've gone, we've we project, we've we've progressed as an organization on top of that. Like we went from a fringe under five hundred to above five hundred to a playoff team. Right. Every year that I played quarterback at a at a, at a high level. Right. So I think that you know it's one of those things where you, again you don't want to necessarily think the grass is greener because it may not be, you know. And if he continues to progress and get better as a quarterback, as a passer, as a thrower of the football with the weapons he has, with the with the amount of uh, you know air quote um, you know offensive prowess he has around him, he could the skies could be the limit. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you know, it, it's, it, it being such a quarterback centric league, it, you know, the Cardinals were kind of like. You know, we know we got to do it, but at right. what number? We really just, you know, you got to do it because you can't go back with a rookie quarterback or, or anybody else, and you know, like a Garoppolo, anybody of that nature to, you know, to try to keep the tires with and make make better of, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you were you were kind of, you I would say you kind of stuck, but it's a good stuff. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have when you have to pay a quarterback. Yeah. And that's, that's the bottom line for me. In that sense, so yeah, I did. They did it, and I think that it would change the outlook because I was concerned. That is my biggest thing about this whole situation is I was concerned if they didn't pay him before the season started, mm-hmm. what they would do for the for the psyche of the team. Mm-hmm. Because you know, whether you like it or not, the, the the temperament of the quarterback drives everything when it comes to the football team. True. If your quarterback isn't locked in in the pro level, and he's not all in, and he's not you know out there grinding and, and working as hard as anybody else works, then that that particular that that all likely kills your season. Now you might have some small success. But the ultimate success you could have had, if your quarterback isn't there and lockstep mentally with that vision, there, there, there is no, there is no winning. Uh-huh. That, there's no winning at the high level. So getting that off the other table, especially with DeAndre being suspended for six games, you're going to need him to be special, you know, uh-huh. games without your big weapon, without your big gun. Yep. So getting that done was going to help and bolster that team, and it's going to make to me it, it raises the level for me as far as them being competitive before. Because when I had him, I did my wins and losses before. This contract got done. It wasn't looking pretty. Ah. Now I got to go back and rethink it because he's locked in now. Right. I'm concerned about his psyche. You know, once the psyche is changed and he's happy, he's happy go lucky. So I think they're going to win more games than I, than I originally projected. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So what about Lamar Jackson? Baltimore is a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Baltimore, I think, said, right? I think as Lamar Jackson is perfect. Because it gives you a a, a floor, right? It yeah. gives you literally yeah. a starting point. Yeah, the, the jumping off point is two thirty. Like like Deshaun Watson's contract, they're cussing, and they're even further cussing Kyler Murray's contract because he's actually playing right now. We don't know if Deshaun's gonna play or not. Right. So they're cussing Deshaun's contract, and they're further cussing Kyler's because he's a he's a Kyler contemporary. Deshaun is not a contemporary to Lamar. They're not the same draft class. Exactly. Same age range. Exactly. But Kyler is. So they're like, well, the floor now is 230 and 160 guarantee. What you gonna do? And oh, by the way, we made the playoffs twice and I have MVP. And now the court, the, the, the court is yours. Listen, <laughs> Lamar walks in with his jersey on, some boots, and nothing else. <laughs> That's all he has on. He yeah. has on a, a Baltimore Ravens jersey and uh-huh. boots, right? And he walks in bottomless with his <laughs> swinging. And he's like, What y'all gonna do? What y'all gonna do? Because it ain't gonna suck itself. <laughs> 
I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> listen, listen, because again, look at what he's contending against. You have a mercurial player mm. who gutted everything off his social media, who went to the press and all that, right? But mm. who hasn't won as much. True. Who has faded over the mm. season, doesn't mm. have an MVP, doesn't have a 70% winning percentage, right? Doesn't have that, right? Doesn't have the favor and, and all that of his team, like mm -hmm. a Lamar Jackson. Then you have another player who talent wise may great, but look at what he he's brought to the organization. So mm -hmm. again, you have the floor and you have the ceiling. Okay. I'm not taking less than anything less than 230, 160 guaranteed, nothing less. That's a fact. And That's I know what the, all the way to the right best is right mm -hmm. so okay cool you don't want to pay me deshaun watson money guaranteed you damn sure not gonna pay me less than what than, than what kyler has mm -hmm. because again forget liking me this ain't nothing to do with liking me let's look at tangible things look at my stats look at my yards look at my hardware look at i haven't faded outside of injury mm -hmm. one time you, though he's only time one time outside mm -hmm. of that with everybody else around me getting hurt up until I got injured, we was in playoff contention again. Number one seat. Number one seat again. So let's talk y'all. Mm -hmm. And look, I'm kicking my feet up. What you want to do? Let's start at 161. There you go. <laughs> we starting at 161 guaranteed. That's and out, outside of that, it's got to be, 161 guaranteed and mm -hmm. 231 overall maximum contract. Let's work. So Lamar is excited. Oh, thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for giving me a left and my right. Mm -hmm. So we're working in between here, right? Because you really didn't have a floor before then. Baltimore mm -hmm. is like, gosh, they calling the, the Cardinals like, what? And then they call in Cleveland like, we're going to beat the brakes off y'all for this. Right. Right. Yeah. When so, I when I see you, it's on site. <laughs> it's on it's it's on site. I'm telling on you right site. now, don't even speak. It's on, on site. On. Vince McMahon retired. Somebody in Cleveland is retiring as well because it's gonna be on site. On so site. If you Lamar right now, you're in a great position. I love the way he handled it. So he showed the camp early. He in shape. He's stronger. You know, looking like you know he looks like he got about ten pounds of muscle on him. I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, he know he knows they, they have to. There's nothing. You cannot let me walk. And we're not going to play this franchise tag game. So you're not going to let me walk. Your, your best bet, instead of kicking the can down the road and dealing with this Dak Prescott crap, because nobody wants to go through that for two years, your best bet is to pay me now. Because next year, you're going to talk. We're going to start talking to Justin Herbert. We're talking, talking about Joe Burrow. And that number is going to be like $48, $49, $50 million. Do you want to you wanna get on the train at 45 Or do you want to get on the train at 50 annually? Which one do you want? And listen. Every week he plays, don't allow him to have a great game oh, because gonna, it keeps it keeps going up, right? He ain't even got to say anything. Right. Just let let his play keep dictating how much he's going to get paid. That's another mm -hmm. win. That's another win. Yep. That's another win because you DJ know Khaled, another one. Oh, another one, DJ Khaled. Because you know when you look around, I got my running backs coming back. 
I still mm-hmm. have one of the top tight ends that work that we work well together. Mm-hmm. I have a young receiver core. I got all the defense coming back healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the nucleus to show up and say, we got a good team and I'm going to show up every week and we're going to keep winning and I'm going to keep showing up. And again, do not allow Lamar to start having an MVP-like season listen, again. Listen, if the Lamar play- was another MVP, it went up to 60. Oh. <laughs> he would be the first $60 million man. No less than $50 million a year. Easy, easy. 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 Okay. So yeah, we 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 in lockstep with that. I, yeah. Like I said, in the words of Jay Z, ice the price, ice the risk, raise the price on them. Yes. You know. So it just it just boils down to when you get it done. But he knows that you got to pay, and he know what the numbers are, and he's just like, look, yeah, you know, just you when you come to me, correct, then we'll talk. He's not dumb. He's not not dumb. Not at all. Not at all. Exactly. Know exactly what he's doing, and know exactly what his worth is, and know yep. exactly how committed he is to win the Super Bowl. So they—that's another added bonus that you have. You sign him, you get that money locked in, you get that out of the way, and get that off the books. And all you gotta do is focus on winning Super Bowl. Come on now. That's it. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, then we'll come back with our quick NBA segment. Uh, uh, this is Sports Talk with Coach Curry, episode seventy-one. We'll be back in a minute and a half. Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined. To all my lockdown defense goons and goblins, Coach Defense here, wanted to remind you that our weekly debate show, Sports Talk with Coach and Kirk, broadcasts live each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and simulcast on Twitch and YouTube. We bring you chase down blocks and decleaning content each and every Saturday. And so I'm here to tell you, keep your head on the swivel, because you never know exactly what Coach Kirk and I will say next. Each and every week, we break down hot topics of the NFL and NBA of the week in the world of sports. If you ever seen the show by now, it, one ad can honestly truly not do it justice. So it'll be your best interest. It'll be your best interest to tune in live or on replay each and every week for authentic, honest, and real opinion that goes on in the sports world. And we might have the Rose Light Co- Light Skin Coalition uh, week to week for being extra. So the show goes live each and every week on YouTube and Twitch. Search Lockdown Davis Podcast on YouTube and follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports. Live and direct each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to all our platforms, turn your notification bells on, and if you missed any part of the show, the replay goes live on all platforms at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. So check us out there. Check us out there. And as next, I had a bonus. If you want to get featured as a mailback question on the show live, email us at lockdowndefensports at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter at lockdowndefense. Uh, for all questions must be submitted by Saturday at a five o'clock for a chance to be on the show each week. As we're always, Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, dual cast on Twitch and YouTube. Coach Kurt and I are just here so we don't get banned. Now back to the show. All right, all right. So now we are our NBA segment. We kind of did a reverse order this week because we had our special guest on this week for the NFL segment. So... I just want to talk real quickly about this. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's lingering in my mind. And I talked about this briefly on my podcast this week. That is live on my channel as well. We did it late this week, broadcasting on Friday. Uh, you know, a little bit schedule's been rough the last couple of weeks. Uh, wife been sick, daughter been sick. You know, it is what it is, man. But I'm still here to bring the content to you. So I want to get Coach Kurt's opinion on this particular uh, aspect of the NBA uh, world and sports right now. Um of course, we're in the offseason, you know, free to see in, in, in uh, trades have kind of died down. And mainly because of this, because the trade market to me has taken a, di- a dive, a dip, a plunge, 
uh, a downward spiral. I mean, any negative connotation when you want to say it's going down the tubes, it went down fast, hard, and heavy. You know, kind of like, kind of like a Scud missile hitting hitting a, a, a target in 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 mid in the mid nineties. So the trade market was murdered uh, gruesomely by Rudy Gobert's trade. So uh, he went four <laughs> four players and four first round picks. Um, which in uh, subsequent, uh, I guess you can say, collateral damage allowed for the trade market for KD, Kyrie, and Donovan Mitchell to go up in smoke. So, uh, Coach Kirk, what do you think has happened to the trade market, and do you think that Kyrie, KD, and Donovan Mitchell have pretty much lost their luster, their value, or uh, the idea they can be traded at all based upon the, the amount of diary or ransom that the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert. So I believe the trade market has accidentally, accidentally and inadvertently been flipped on its head. And it's mm-hmm. actually done harm instead of help, right? Because it's put the asking price for top tier superstars in a position that teams would have to gut themselves to get these players from an organizational position, right? Mm -hmm. Because as an organization talking to another organization now, and especially when you have a player under contract, Mm -hmm. you now are basically leveraging other teams to gut themselves to get these top tier players. And so inadvertently that Rudy trade shook up the trade market and you got to let it settle right now. Yeah, you do. You got to let it settle because I know the Knicks were super close from hearing everything. The Knicks were super close to getting Donovan Mitchell, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But but what it's done for KD and Kyrie has actually hurt the ability for them to be moved compared to helping them. Because now as an organization, you are in a place that's like, again, we talked about the Kyler Lamar contracts. If they got this and this is what this player got, Mm-hmm. For these players, oh, you gonna I can't take none less. Right, right. I can't take none less. You can't at it's one of them. You can't ask me. You can't come on. You know, that's one of them when you're on the phone. Come on now. Let's not do this. You can't ask me. You can't ask me <laughs> to do that one. What do I look like letting a KD, a Kyrie, a Donovan Mitchell go for this? Come on now. Because again, the one thing about NBA contracts, the money also has to match. It does. It right? does. Mm-hmm. And it gets to a point where you, the NBA, you can't do a, okay, we're going to give up four for one. Mm-hmm. We'll do these four players to make the money match for this one player. Because mm-hmm. you got to now bring in another team to make this kind of work out. And then mm-hmm. that gets even more, um, you know, difficult. Because now you're asking for another team to step in and do a trade with you to ultimately help you, not help them. True. We're just a proxy. We're just a proxy. You're a proxy, and you're needing us to help you get who you want. And we got to give up certain things to help you. And now you got to help us. And 
and we're not cool with the way it's turning out. So now we good. We good mm-hmm. over here. Right. So again, the trade market inadvertently this year has been flipped on its head. And I really believe most teams are going to have to step back and say, hey, bring in our site, our, our sports psychologist, bring in our positive thinking motivator. And we're going to ha- and in the, 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 the best in the market with uh, mediating crucial conversations. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have to figure this thing out because we right now, the market is too volatile, you know, for anybody in stocks. It's too volatile right now for us to do anything. And so we just got to stay put. If I was ever wondering or ever uh, skeptical whether or not Coach Kerr listens to my podcast, I, <laughs> I, I am not. I'm no, I, 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 he just basically <laughs> sold to me that he listens every week because I said yeah. that the same thing. This yeah. week <laughs> I tune in every now and then on the drive. I may pay attention a little bit. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. I'm like, damn. That's, like, that sounds damn near close to what I was saying. <laughs> That's definitely what I said. So, yeah, I, I completely and totally agree with you. And, again, if I'm Katie and Kyrie and, and Donovan, if Donovan really wants out, I'm cussing Rudy Gobert in the Utah Jazz. I'm Four. catching him in the locker room that's another one before he walk out on site. That's another one that's on site because I can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> you know, I can't believe you did it. And, right. And, and it's another. I guess another uh, overarching point that I want to bring up that I also mentioned on my podcast is that, you know, sometimes you can't let the social pressure get to you. You know, because the social pressure and the outside noise gets to you to say that, yes, you got to take exactly what Rudy Gobert went for or more. You right. know, so but instead of just really honing in on the idea that you should say that I just need to be able to help my team, get my team to to the uh, a place that's going to build them for the future. You know, because if I'm looking at mm-hmm. it, from a, if I'm the Nets, if I'm looking at the standpoint that I got to move Kevin Durant, I should be looking for, you know, somebody that's going to, you know, be. You know, or you know, kind of like what kind of take a page out of the Chiefs book when since then right. I'm gonna lose Tyreek Hill. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring in four receivers that's gonna fill that void and from a production standpoint, that's gonna take that's gonna be able to be hopefully be as, as productive. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least from a basketball standpoint, I would say give me two solid players, right? And give me a bunch of future draft picks. And that way my team is set up to the point where I can I can I can still be competent now. And I can build towards the future. So when this next phenom or whoever comes out in the draft and I'm and I'm capable of getting him, that's boom, that's my next franchise. Take yep. the page of Boston's book when Jason Tatum and in in uh, uh Jalen Brown became available in back to back years because they set themselves up via trade to have all these dra- all this draft capital, and boom, they hit on back to back guys and back to back drafts. And mm-hmm. that's their, that's the future of their franchise. And they're they're sitting pretty. Yep. So if you could do something like that, I would say that's what you should drive towards instead of, oh, yeah, I got to get max value for, for this guy because Rudy Gobert went for max value. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, kind of not listen to the noise in the sense if you want to make a trade. But, again, I'm with you that if if that's what you own and that's what you live and buy, you standing on that ground that I got to get max value for Kevin Durant and I got to get more than what Rudy Gobert went for, then I think you're stuck because, like you said, and to my same points, that, that if you don't, if you can't make this happen and you have to basically sense in a sense have a team gut themselves to make a trade with you, then most people are not gonna get in bed with you. You know, in a sense, and again, you they damn sure not gonna get in, in bed with you from a three stream trade perspective, because again, it really doesn't benefit a middleman to your point. Right. So why, especially if it's a middleman that's in my same conference, like why in the hell would the would the Hawks get in bed with the Nets to help the Nets out? You know, just you know, something like that. Like, why right. would they do that? Because I'm mean, right. I can see them. 
on a regular basis. So why would I help them? I mean, if it was a situation where I was getting Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn, I might help you. But if I'm if I'm bringing in a Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, why the hell would I do that? Why would I do that? You know, because like, you're just basically making my conversation and make my life harder. So, you know, so yet again, I don't believe that's one of those things that they should do, you know, as far as gutting the team. And I think that all hope went out the door when Aiden got signed. I think oh, that's where yeah. it I think yeah. that's where it went. Yeah. So you could have had Bridges and Aiton and, and a couple of draft picks and then sent them to the Suns. But once that once Aiden got signed after that after that max at that matching of the of the restricted free agent contract, then mm-hmm. all hope went out the door, in my opinion. So when I, I said all that to say, you know, because we we both feel like that the market has 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 dried up in a sense and it's turned on its head to your point. Do you think that if all things remain the same, because I really think they are, I don't think that nobody's going to get in bed with uh, Kate, get in bed with the Nets for Katie or Kyrie at this moment and give up the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the solution for this, these teams that are trying to trade players is, you know, I would, throw, I would even throw Russell Westbrook in the conversation. Do you really think that the, 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 the most logical idea is to mend fences and try to make it work for another year? Oh, without a doubt. That's why I said you have to bring in your sports psychologists, the person that has crucial conversations, mm-hmm. the mediators, and you have to you have to mend these fences, right? And mm-hmm. it's really not about everybody being on some kumbaya and you know taking the Sears and JC Penny mm-hmm. pictures and and all that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not about that and hanging out. And it's really about listen. You have something that you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. We have something that we want to accomplish instead of or let's look at and how mm-hmm. can we work this out and both walk away feeling like we gave up a little mm-hmm. to get to get a lot. Right. Okay. So I'm not looking to make you feel like you gave up too much and I don't want you making I don't want you making me feel like I gave up too much. So how can we both get to 80%? Okay. What is what do you want to accomplish? This is what we want to accomplish. How can we work together together to get to that throughout this season? Let's keep everything in-house. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go to the press. Mm-hmm. We don't want you going to the press. Mm-hmm. We want to just keep our head down, play our 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 basketball, get to the end of season. Let this thing settle down and figure it out from there. If it's best for us to shake hands and walk away, we'll shake hands and walk away. If we can work this out, let's work this out. But right now, what can we do Mm -hmm. to really make this as comfortable a season as possible? So men defenses, shake hands, you know, send some flowers, send some bouquets, send some fruit over. Strippers, whatever you strippers, whatever you need, right. right? Whatever you need to make this thing work. Because also, you know, Steph didn't do you any any help at the ESPYs being petty, no, right? So now you got some players still they they, they mo tight now, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So make your enemy your friend, and hey, let's take all of our attention and point it at them mm-hmm. because. We don't like them, right? I like that. that. And let's make them our target Mm -hmm. instead of fighting in-house because fighting in-house ain't going to help either one of us. So let's Mm -hmm. go after them. That's a common enemy. Let's go. Let's let's see what we can do for them. And look, if we walk away as champions, 
winning makes a lot of things work out a lot better. It does. It does. That's a, that's a hell of a point. Because I think that, you know, just to add on to what you said, I really feel like if they did mend fences and everybody was on the same page as far as focusing your energy on the enemy, which is other teams, they might, at least from the next perspective, they have a nice roster. They, they really do. They, they really, really they do. Got Royce O'Neal, which which you had an issue with rim protection and defense. That's what he that's his calling card. He was a he was a low budget. He was a kind of a a, a poor man's go bear in Utah. Mm-hmm. So you got Royce O'Neal in house. You you resign uh you resign Patty and a few other guys that were on the roster that gave you quality minutes last year. So if you bring Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons back healthy, you know what I'm saying? With those added pieces and those you know those guys, you got at least a good solid you know seven eight guys to right. win with. Right. So I don't know if y'all can play a lick of defense, but at least I can score. You know what I'm saying? So I really feel like that if they did do that, they would they would be all right. You know, I mean, everybody wants to see the where KD goes and where Kyrie end up and all that kind of stuff. And you know, as much as I hate to say it, you know, I, I much would much rather would take Kyrie Irving over Russell Westbrook. I mean, you take one problem for the other, but hell, at least right. Kyrie can play basketball. At least he can put the ball in the basket. Right. So you know that would that would hurt me from a Lakers perspective. But yet again. You know, from a basketball perspective, as a fan, I think they can make it work. You yes. know, you know, I mean, yes. I, I ain't guarantee you a championship because the East is going to be tough. But I'm guaranteed that you'll be competitive. You'll be in the mix and you'll be you'll be there at the end to say that they were they are competitive. You can put a little money down on them making a deep run into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If everybody's locked in, you get Kyrie for 82 games instead of 29. You know what I'm saying? KD can stay healthy because he ain't got to do everything. You got like so you got Royce O'Neal coming back, Patty Millen in there. You know all the you know Bruce Brown and all those guys. They, you can make it work. You know, you might need to find another coach. That's a whole other argument that you could be made. But yeah, yeah. I would say for sure that you can make that that dynamic work. And if they can, you know, run it back one more time, kind of like a last ride kind of thing in a sense with with Chicago in a '96 championship. Just make it take it, give it one last ride. If it don't work, mm-hmm. like you said, we can shake hands part ways, and you 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 go your way, I go up, go mine, and we can KD can address the trade market next year when it's better, and Kyrie can walk for free. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. And it's just that simple. Listen, Kyrie wants to walk. You're not happy about it. We got Mm -hmm. it. We totally understand. But Kyrie's under contract right now. There's nothing with COVID. There's nothing Mm -hmm. with COVID prohibiting anything. Mm -hmm. KD, you're under contract. Listen, we got Ben Simmons hopefully coming back. Let's Mm -hmm. see what we can do. Let's see what we can do with a healthy team. Let's try it. One time. What's the worst? We know what is going to happen if we all miserable. True. True. So let's focus our, like you said, let's focus our energy and see what happens with this team if mm-hmm. we're all pointing and focused on one thing, and that's playing basketball and getting to the end of the season and let everything else shake out at that point. I like it. I like it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's it, man. We're going to wrap this up right there, man. That's a great take. It's a great uh, way to end the show, man. Um, Listen, before we end the show, huh? let's, let's, man, we had 71. We 71 in, man. No, 71 in. Let's let you know for people that's been rocking with us, uh 71 is no small feat. That's a lot of consistency. It so is. thank you for everyone. And I wanted to say kudos and give you your flowers, man. This is 71 in through everything. We 71. There's a lot of people that's quit and stopped, but we 71 strong. So that's a fact. That's a fact. And I yeah. and I believe it now. Now I'm gonna check the stats real quick. Give me one brief second to check the stats, but I believe that um if i'm not mistaken that our last show was the highest grossing viewership show that we've ever had in 71 episodes let's go 
Let's go. I'm, I'm Let's pulling go. up the stats right now. Yep, it was. I mean, and, and it, it wasn't even close. Like it's it's probably it's probably two times. It's not two times, but it's it's a, it's a, it's it's probably fifty percent more than the highest viewership ever since we've been doing the show. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow! Let's yeah, go. Appreciate this one's that. probably gonna be high too because we had, <laughs> but last right. week was amazing. Like the, the the viewership for that was amazing. So yeah, appreciate everybody's been rocking with us for this this long, man. Like the seventy one episodes in, we gonna keep doing this thing big for y'all. So next thing you know, we are gonna talk about hundred episodes before we yeah. know. It. So, yeah, hundred yeah. episodes in, man. We've seen an NBA championship and a Super Bowl. That's yes, big time. That's yes, big time. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. Let's, Let's go. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, so we appreciate everybody rocking with us. Like I said, if you haven't before uh, done it so far, like, comment, subscribe to these videos. Get it, keep our viewers up. Like those videos. Get those algorithms booming in YouTube's uh, stratosphere. And we'll be right back with you next week. As always, with Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt, live and direct Saturdays at 9 p.m. But in the meantime, between time, that's Coach Kurt. I'm Coach Defense. We want to thank Richie Richie and Jacob for coming through with our AFC West breakdown this week. And uh, until next week, we'll see you when we see you. Step up and lock it down.